don't know why I wasn't satisfied to let well enough alone. I had established a little shrine in that room of mine. I had filled it with happy memories. It did what the natural instinct of nearly every mother bids them to do. I collected my lost little girl's toys, her favorite doll, in the bedroom, and turned the place into a little shrine. And because the act was so simple and so natural, and because nothing that is evil can pierce the armor of a mother's love, I turned that little room into a channel through which the loveliest influences descended to bless our home. I could picture the dreaming soul of my darling Debbie revisiting our home and finding there was everything that she had ever known. Her toys, her mother's love. It was a pretty little room overlooking the quarter acre of back lawn, a room containing a little white bed with fresh sheets and a white and blue coverlet. A few engravings were on the walls, and the side of the room, farthest from the window, contained a table on which Debbie's toys had been set out. Everything she had had since babyhood that had survived unbroken. Against the wall was a stand on which was an enormous doll propped up beneath three lighted candles. An enlarged photograph of little Debbie hung on the wall nearby. And some fresh cut flowers were in a tall vase standing beside the doll. It was supposed to be the happiest room in the house. You see, people were beginning to talk about it. They said that my mind had become unhinged through my constant brooding. My friends persuaded me that it was a heathenish practice, that the dead are cut off forever from the living. They told me that my dear little Debbie was now an angel in heaven, and that I would meet her there when I die. But until then, there was no possibility of our knowing anything about each other. And so I... And so I ran to Mr. Craven. He had a strong spiritualistic power, and he assured me that he could lay the spirit forever. And so I let him try. But now I see that he was just a charlatan, a dabbler in psychic matters who knows nothing whatever about spiritualism. And not long after, this man Craven performed his operations in that room, did the manifestations begin. And now, instead of a little shrine, I've got a full-blown haunted house. At first I thought it was my darling Debbie, but pulling hair and pinching and throwing glass and crockery Mr. Craven said it was an after-manifestation that would soon disappear, but my heart told me this wasn't Debbie. It was a devil. I wish I hadn't been so distracted with grief. I wish I had relied heavily upon my Bible and less on fools like Craven. 
I ought to have remembered the passage about the seven devils. I drove out the legitimate tenant, and its place was taken by one devil, or seven. On that first day, the day of Mr. Craven's initial inspection, he saw the doll and the toys, and he persuaded me that the spirit of Debbie had become earthbound, and that I was wrecking her heavenly happiness by drawing it down from realms of bliss to an earthly environment. As if there could be any greater bliss in heaven than the remembrance of a happy childhood. And so what does he do? Craven mumbled some incantation, perfectly convincing, not because it was a charm, but because of the intent that underlied his words. This faker broke up the shrine, placed the doll away in a cupboard, and turned the bed and furniture around so that Debbie would not recognize the room. He proposed to hold a seance at a later date, and suggested that he would bring other spiritually-minded people so that they may all form a circle. And then Craven headed for the door, telling me that the spirit was at rest for now. Later that day, there came a sudden crash in the corner of Debbie's room. A shower of broken glass was on the carpet. Upon the stand beside the doll, the flowers lay scattered, and water was splashed all over the table that contained the toys. My teeth were chattering. At that moment, I was under the singular illusion that the doll's large blue eyes had taken on an expression of intelligence, human eyes. I forced myself to look again. No, of course, it had been the way the light had played upon them. They were just glass eyes. I once read that such noisy hauntings generally had a merely physical explanation. That in every such case as reported from time to time in the newspapers, the explanation was considered obvious. But there was no apparent mischief. It was a case of a genuine haunted house, and the haunter is not my child, Debbie, but one of the devils that enter into sad and hollow houses. It was a spirit of the lowest order. I was so sure that dear Debbie would be satisfied when things were put back as they were, but it grew worse over time. And it was not only in Debbie's room. It spread throughout the house. There was now a variety of manifestations. Footsteps up and down the stairs. A heavy man's footsteps. Doors opening and slamming. Pictures falling off the wall. And last night, as I lay in bed, I could have sworn I felt fingers about my throat. Oh God, can't be Debbie. The next day, Mr. Craven returned, along with a common sort of woman, Mrs. Simpson. Craven explained Mrs. Simpson was a reliable medium for a seance 
and she was on the verge of passing into a trance, so we should quickly form a circle in Debbie's room. Indeed, there was something about Mrs. Simpson's eyes that assured me something would manifest through her. Upon entering Debbie's room, Craven instructed that a dark cloth be strung across the corner to form a cabinet, and that a half-circle of chairs extend to the further end of the table that held the toys. Before Mrs. Simpson had settled herself, Craven took the doll from the stand, handed it to me. He said it was vital that I associate myself to the doll and asked that I hold it on my lap and under no circumstances was I to lose my grip of it during the seance. Are you ready, Mrs. Simpson? Craven asked. And then he snapped off the electric light. I heard the medium breathing within the cabinet. She stirred restlessly. A sigh escaped her lips. I felt the tenseness emanating from Craven next to me. In the faint light that came through the window, I saw the outlines of the large doll held in my arms. Was it only imagination, or did the thing actually resemble more and more a living child? The stiff body seemed to be growing limp, the head to fall back into the fold of my arm. It moved. I felt it move. It was too horrible. Horrible. I began breathing almost as harshly as Mrs. Simpson, who kept up a low moaning sound inside the cabinet. I felt that cold wind that always accompanies such conditions, a chill that stung at the end of my fingers. I thought that the curtains before the cabinet seemed to bulge outward. Then, I confess, my nerves almost gave way as I heard the sudden tiny piping voice from within the cabinet clearly say, Mama. It was a child's cry, just like the doll, but it did not come from the doll. Mama. Is that you, Debbie, my darling? I whispered with a quick intake of breath. Mama. A dreadful pause. What was occurring in the darkness? How still it all was. Even Mrs. Simpson had ceased to moan. And then Craven said softly, How do you like your baby sister, Debbie? I knew by some sixth instinct that he was gripping my arms to keep me quiet. Don't be afraid, Debbie. Come and see your mother and her new little baby. Again, that dreadful silence. My hair felt almost as if standing on end. Something was moving near me in the darkness. A peal of maniacal laughter rang out. And I knew there was some vast unformed evil thing that seemed to fill the room. A chair fell over. The thing laughed again, and mingled with it came a sound from my throat I cannot possibly describe. It was a cry, a scream that seemed the embodiment of utter despair and dissolution. Are you afraid of your own child? Craven shouted. Then a heavy body toppling to the floor and threshing it with its heels. The light, the light, I cried. I stood, and groping for the button in the dark, I struck my head against the wall, and then at last, the room was flooded with electric light. The medium was stirring in the cabinet. On the floor lay Craven, 
hugging to his heart the doll with a frantic grip. But as I bent over him, I saw that the little porcelain fingers were fixed in his throat like steel hooks, so deep that the swelling flesh was already closing over the arms. Craven was dead. The fingers of the doll had stopped the circulation in the carotoids completely. Death had been a matter of perhaps seconds. It took some months to recover from the shock. I took solace in remembering Craven's words. He had assured that I should feel comforted and that I ought to realize that time does not pass on the other side as it does with us. It is measured by the intensity of emotion and for dear Debbie, years had passed since she had visited the shrine I'd made for her. How ghastly the discarnate life. They have not eyes to see or ears to hear. The dead can only sense us through the force of emotion. Had a ghost mistaken dear little Debbie's doll for a living thing? Does the fiend think he is inhabiting the body of a child and will remain there, waiting for it to grow until he finds that his opportunity has slipped by? After a year or so, and a year and a day, according to the conceptions of folklore, though there is, of course, no exact period, his power for evil will have dissipated itself, and the devil will be resolved into that limbo where he will expiate his crimes on earth before he gets his new chance in a new body. It was then I had the idea to keep the electric light burning there night and day, so that Debbie may never stray again. It was like a perpetual candle before a shrine. So long as the light burned, I would not be troubled with any more manifestations. The practice of burning lights before images of saints may or may not have been designed to keep them from leaving their habitations. But it is a safe guess that these seven devils will remain immobilized and powerless within the doll, just so long as there is a light in front of it. It was just as safe a guess as that I would remain immobilized in my bed at night until there was the light of a new day within the room.
mana The Hiccups is a proud member of the Odd Audio Network. We are a collection of podcasters who put the odd in audio. Check out our shows at oddaudionetwork.com.